0: Hello, and welcome to the Rediscovering Play podcast brought to you by BIBA. I'm your host, Mike Rosen. As we've previously discussed, our mission at BIBA and the goal of this podcast is to investigate, explore, and question what it means to play for kids in this modern era. Whether that's through building mobile games designed to get kids back out on playgrounds to get the physical activity that they need, or doing a deep dive into parenting tips in this new technological age, we are committed to rediscovering the idea of play for today's families. And what better time to be rediscovering play? While many of us are finding ourselves spending way more time inside and working from home these days, it's understandable that we might be trying to figure out how best to maintain a sense of normalcy and how to avoid going completely stir-crazy while cooped up indoors. This is especially true for parents who are dealing with the fact that their children are home, schools are closed, playdates and activities are limited, and on top of that, kids have questions about what's going on in the world and parents need to know how best to answer them appropriately. How do we maintain a sense of play in these trying times? How do we play with our children in a way that's both fun and safe? How do we maximize the limits of our confined spaces to make sure that our kids are still able to get the physical activity that they need? On this next series of episodes of Biba's Rediscovering Play podcast, we aim to answer these questions and more through conversations with parents, childcare workers, medical staff, and various other industry professionals to provide you with helpful tips and tricks, new perspectives, and fresh insights to help ensure that you and your family can stay happy, healthy, and active while we navigate this new current at-home situation. Join us while we Rediscover Play together. On today's episode of Biba's Rediscovering Play podcast, we speak with Dr. Shannon Barnett, an assistant professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at Johns Hopkins. Dr. Barnett's expertise is in child and adolescent psychiatry, child development and behavioral health with a focus on depression and mood disorders. Dr. Barnett talks with us about the best way to handle any anxiety or, or mood or mental health issues that your children might be having during this COVID-19 pandemic. And the best way as parents that you can focus on trying to make sure that they feel happy, healthy, good, and supported. There's nothing more important than our child's mental health at this time. So I find Dr. Barnett's suggestions quite useful and hopefully you will too. I hope you find this conversation to be helpful and that it serves as a good resource for you and your family during these challenging times. That being said, here's Dr. Barnett. Hi, Dr. Barnett. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I really appreciate you taking the time. I'm sure things are quite busy on on your end with uh, with everything that's going on. So I really appreciate you taking the time to to chat today.
1: No problem. I'm happy to help families.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting because uh, there's there's a lot of questions that that families have in terms of. You know, managing this new temporary normal that we're dealing with in terms of you know balancing work from home and and their children and keeping them happy and, and keeping them playing and fun and, and managing, um, you know, school obligations and trying to, to to teach them and and transition to this sort of homeschooling scenario. But um, I think what what I've heard from a lot of parents and seen online is that there's a lot of challenges as to how to best manage their children's emotions while this is going on I think there's a lot of questions that parents have about how best to answer questions that they might have and also to make sure that they're staying happy and healthy and um, I know that you've been speaking about this uh, this uh, quite a bit with with media and with other people lately so I thought it'd be great to be able to bring you into this conversation to provide some some advice and suggestions and to um, provide some insights as to how parents can help best manage their kids during this time Okay. Cool so so what are what are some of the, the biggest pieces of advice that you think parents should be um, employing in their in their familial day-to-day lives now to, to make sure that the, the mental health of their children is as, as strong and healthy as possible
1: One thing I've been working with families on is maintaining some type of a schedule. It doesn't have to be a super strict, work for six hours on homework type of a schedule, but scheduling just a time to wake up, time for meals, time for fun activities, time to make phone calls, just having at least an outline of a schedule. Families don't have to be perfect with it. um, And different families are gonna find that they wanna have more or less, um, kind of depending on what the parents are doing, if they're working or if they're, um, working from home, working from afar.
0: Right, because presumably trying to create um, a bit of a routine and a bit of a sense of normalcy will also create that consistency that is um, so helpful during times like these when there are so many unknowns and there is so little control from what we have outside of the home. So I would imagine that creating that sort of control inside the home is is beneficial in, in a number of ways.
1: Yes, what, another thing is I think if you think about when you're doing absolutely nothing and somebody comes up and says, can you go put your dirty dishes in the sink? That feels, I my my response is to say, oh, I gotta do that. Um, But when you're the parent asking, you're thinking my child's not doing anything and I'm just gonna ask them to do one simple thing. But if you actually have things scheduled, it actually makes it easier for the kids to do the work so you have less power struggles. If the kid knows every day at four, I take all my dirty dishes from my room and bring them downstairs, and then I get to make a phone call to my best friend, or I get to go play on a video game. Just that type of a schedule can be really helpful, just to get kids so that you're not having arguments about what you want your kids to be doing.
0: Right, and I guess it's also setting clear expectations so that everybody understands and that it's not, a surprise when those things come up as well.
1: Yes, I think when kids are asked to do things kind of randomly, they get much more irritated than if they are expecting to be asked to right. do a particular
0: And I guess the other part of it is, again, one of the biggest or one of the major unknowns around these things that I think a lot of parents and people in general have is not knowing how long these you know, shelter in place scenarios and self quarantining and all those sorts of things are going to be around for, you know, is it going to be weeks? Is it going to be months? If it's months, how many months is it going to be? So I would imagine setting up that routine and that schedule early on will make it that much easier to sort of manage in the long term scenarios that we could find ourselves in.
1: Yes. And it also may change like as they, they may start saying, oh, you can do one small type of thing activity but you can't do other activities so if you're kind of used to setting a schedule and maybe changing it every once in a while so that as the rules change your family can kind of has a process for changing the schedule
0: right and it just makes all those i guess micro and macro um, questions a little less overwhelming if you're not trying to sort of look at it as a whole and you're able to break it down into its more component parts and focus on it that way
1: Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: Are there any other recommendations that you have or that you, you've been um, talking to, to parents and families about for how to help manage these times?
1: I think another one is reaching out if it's phone or video conferencing to family members, that particularly family members your children are close to, or having your children be able to reach out to their friends in some way. It, this can just be so isolating. Um so the more we can kind of improve relationships and talk to other people that are not in our home, I think the better.
0: Right, because it's, it's such an isolating feeling now when you're, you know, spending all your time at home and um, taking the time and prioritizing reaching out to other people, I would imagine, to strengthen those communities and to keep maintaining those familial and, and friendly relationships is, is, is super important for making everybody feel like they're still connected and not like, you know, this insular bubble has been created out of nowhere and now everyone's sort of stuck inside of it.
1: Right. So um, and certain questions people can be talking, like talking to grandparents or aunts and uncles or friends, um, having kids talk about what their life is like now, maybe even making a, a video or audio recording kind of a time capsule for, you know, 15, 20 years from now, this is gonna be an event that's in the history. So kids can talk about that with relatives. Kids can talk about what they miss, what they're looking forward to when this is all over, comparing the school day now versus when they were in school. Um, just there's a lot of different things that people can talk about. So I think also having a list of things so when people are calling, it's just not just what are you doing today, nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, what I heard some people saying is that they don't aren't even sure how to talk when they're not doing anything. So I think talking about what's different, what you miss, what might you tell your um, children and grandchildren about this time, twenty, thirty years from now, um, are all topics that can get people thinking and talking.
0: Right. And then I guess to that point, when when children do have questions about what's going on, what's the best way to answer those questions? And do you think it's, it's a good idea for parents to encourage those conversations, even if their children aren't coming to them with those questions?
1: Well, I think it's always good to answer your children's questions, but doing it in a way that makes sense for your child. I think for really young kids, it's we're just trying to keep our neighbor safe. So it's more about we're doing this to keep other people safe. Um, making sure young kids know that this isn't super dangerous for them and if they stay home and the family's staying home or if parents are going out, they're doing the thing, what are the parents doing to stay safe, I think can be helpful um, for the younger kids. Obviously, as kids get older, they're going to know a little bit more. So just having um, kind of frank conversations, I think showing people graphs, like, The biggest thing is we're trying to flatten the curve. So even with um, kind of middle school, high school kids can understand the difference of um, the number of people that get sick in a short period of time versus if we we help people get sick over a longer period of time, the hospitals are gonna be in much better shape. So just letting kids know that there's something they can do. I also think letting kids know, are there things they can do for people in the family, in the community, like can they bake cookies for a neighbor or can they go um, make signs and drive them to their grandparents' house and at least show the sign through the window. Um, Like there are a lot of things that kids can do to just help the community and that can also empower kids so that there's less anxious because there's something they can do.
0: Right. And I guess making it less fear based and more action oriented about the ways that they can be helping out as opposed to, you know, there's questions, we don't know the answer to it. And, you know, there's a lot of unknowns. It's more about making the knowns uh, a point of empowerment, like you said. Yes. Cool. Um, are there any other sort of major points or things that you think that parents um, and family should be thinking about during these times or ways that they can help manage their their mental health when there are so many questions around uh, what's going on in the world?
1: I think that for families that have the resources to go online, there's a lot of online um, yoga or like kind of kids type yoga classes and stuff like that that can help people relax. Um, And those are fun things to do as families. Um, I also just think at least for families where the parents are mostly staying at home, this is an opportunity to just spend more one-on-one time with your children. And if you can find even if it's five minutes with each child every other day or something like that, where the, your child gets to pick the activity, um, play a game or have a conversation about something or listen to their music. Just something where you're actually stopping and spending time with a child one-on-one um, can be really valuable and improve your relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. And thats it's interesting because that's something that's come up in a lot of the conversations that I've had around this with different um, parents through the podcast and also, you know, parents within my my network and friends and family and everyone is saying that, you know, there are a lot of unknowns and there are a lot of challenges, obviously, with adjusting to this new temporary normal, Um, but there is a, a perspective on it where in some ways it becomes... You know, uh, a blessing in disguise, and that it's providing opportunities for families to be spending more time together than they would normally have an opportunity to. You know, if if it's two parents who are working full time and who are kids who are in school, the opportunities to be able to say, you know, we're able to spend full days together and we can have three meals together as a family every single day is so rare. And leaning into that, I think is is a, a great way. I would assu- I would assume to to make sure that those those relationships are are maintained in a healthy way um, that moods can be improved and um, not necessarily as a distraction to everything else, but as a way to sort of use this as an opportunity to strengthen that family unit.
1: Yes, yes. I, um, I think all those things are really good ideas. Um, you know, I think playing games together or taking family walks is another good thing to do to just get out of the house um, and at least walk around the neighborhood eating meals together, cooking. It's a good time to teach your kids, you know, how to cook or how to do certain cleaning. I know I get so busy that it would take me forever, like taking the time to teach my kids how to do laundry. Like when I'm so busy, I think, oh, I'll just do it myself. Well, now I might have a few extra minutes, That this is the time where I can teach them some of those skills.
0: Mm -hmm. Are there any other, um, I know that you talked about online resources, like, hey here's here's tips or here's classes on how to do yoga as a family and things like that but are there other resources that you would recommend to families to check out in terms of um, you know advice or or feedback or recommendations for for things to consider to to be able to make sure that their their mental health stays healthy during this uh during this time
1: i mean the american academy of child and adolescent psychiatry has a lot of resources Um, i'm sure a lot of the pediatric um, groups also have significant resources just on overall improving mental health and i know it's a little bit difficult right this minute to probably get your kid into mental health services if they are not into mental health services right now but hopefully as providers figure out how to give care more and more providers will be saying that they're able to take new patients at this time um Because I do know that there probably are going to be a need for um, at least a subset of people to get at least a short-term mental health treatment because of everything that's going on. Mm
0: -hmm. And I'm sure from what I've heard is that there's a lot of um, mental health practitioners and, and doctors and care providers of all sorts who are being really great about adapting to you know teleconference ways of doing those things or you know teaching music therapy via zoom or something like that so hopefully um a more profound infrastructure can be built around that like you said so that there's opportunities for people who don't currently have a provider to be able to get providers because um i mean there's 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 presumably a a strong need for that
1: right and there may be we may get through this and figure out that some things actually work better um, remotely, which could then open up services. I know um, it's hard sometimes in rural areas to find a mental health provider. All of the mental health providers in the country are getting a crash course on how to do um, tele-mental health visits. So people in certain rural areas may now be able to find mental health providers. So there will be, I think, a lot of opportunities that come out of
0: this. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting that you know this this profound shock to the system and, and, and change of of the you know quote unquote normal status quo does provide an interesting opportunity to sort of reprioritize things. And from a mental health perspective, I would imagine that, you know, from a stress and anxiety level that could, for some people could cause more, and for some people could actually be a nice sort of moment of self-reflection to sort of realize what the priorities and main focuses should be both, you know, from a professional, personal, and familial relationship perspective.
1: Yes. I mean, I think some families are going to learn that their kids actually do better in, homeschooling, some families are learning that, no, their kids definitely um, should be in school. That might actually help parents who always wondered if they're doing the right thing um, develop clarity, which is, would be nice. Um, I think families may decide, wow, my kids were really over-scheduled, and now it'll be a little bit easier to kind of take a step back and maybe not join so many activities after this. Um, So there's a lot of positives
0: that can happen. Mm -hmm. Because even small things like realizing like, oh, we really appreciate and value being able to sit together as a family at dinner time. And that's a time that we don't want to lose. And we want to make sure that this becomes, you know, a routine and something that we all prioritize going forward, which I think ultimately is only going to yield positive benefits.
1: Yes, I would
0: agree with that. Cool. Are there any other sort of major takeaways that you think that parents should, should be focusing on? Or you think it's mostly... You know, a lot of the things that you mentioned, looking up some of those resources and, and, and going online and, and, and trying to do the research on their own, or are there other sort of major points that you think should be um, considered by, by families during this time?
1: One of the things that I'm particularly worried about is kids who maybe have, um, get very nervous in groups, maybe get nervous at school, who are probably now super comfortable now that they're not going to school. Um, not having to go in groups, it's gonna be really challenging for those kids to kind of get back into school and get back into activities. So those kids may, those families may need to get some professional help, probably to develop a strategy so that they can very gradually kind of start to expose their kids to larger groups once society allows us to get back to doing that. because it's gonna be super reinforcing for all the kids who don't like to be in big groups. They're probably super happy right now. But that's going to cause problems when this is all over for
0: them. Yeah, that's a really interesting point and not something that I personally had considered. You know, everybody, I guess not everybody, but myself and a lot of the conversations that I've had have been focused more on like, when is this going to end? When are we going to be able to get back outside? But it isn't really considering the fact that that transition might be a little bit weird, not only for, for you know, children who have a, a strong predilection to want to be on their own more so, but to everybody really. Like, what's that bounce back going to look like?
1: Right. Yes, and I know I always worry with my some of my really anxious kids that I work with that they that they always want to shrink their world, and I'm always trying to get them to expand their world. And right now, I can't ask them to expand their world, um, so we're gonna have to do that. Um, there's also a lot of um, kids who have learning problems. They're also the, like the relief and the stress of not being in. Um, rigorous academics, they're probably feeling this relief now, but then is that going to be really stressful when they go back to school?
0: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I guess it's its all the more reason to make sure that those those mental health check-ins are happening regularly during this time. And if there are opportunities, like you said, to be able to um, provide, to, to, to get service providers for people who don't currently have them or to make sure that those check-ins are happening regularly for people who do so that Um, That transition can be as smooth as possible, or at least there can be a bit of a plan for how that transition would look.
1: Right. And I do think families need to be aware that just because their child has difficulty either right now or when they transition back, um, going back to school and back to their um, other activities, that those are times when people are going to be very vulnerable to needing mental health services, and that's not a failure on either the parent's fault or the child's fault it's just this maybe wasn't a good fit for your particular child or your particular family and so you need some help kind of navigating that
0: Mm -hmm. yeah it's not a deficiency thing it's like this is something that we could have never expected this is something completely out of the ordinary that has never really happened before so there's a lot to process no matter no matter who you are and it's it's normal to have questions or to you know want to work through what 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 the implications of these things are as opposed to it being a deficiency-based thing
1: right and just and not comparing yourself to families who look like they're doing it well um, i'm not sure that anybody's doing this great um, but you definitely don't want to compare yourself and say why am i struggling when some other families other people i know are not struggling as much because everybody has Their kids have different strengths and different weaknesses, and so they're gonna show up in different ways. It's just important not to be comparing yourself or your kids to your neighbors or your family.
0: Right, I guess it's like so many people are spending so much more time on social media during this time. And from what I've heard from some people is that they find it really detrimental to be focusing on sort of the Pinterest parenting side of things and like, look at these crafts that me and my kids did and they look like these beautiful, beautiful things. And then parents looking at it and saying, you know, why doesn't mine look like that? Or why am I having a hard time coming up with these creative solutions of activities I can do with my kids? And then they beat themselves up for it and feel discouraged. And um, I think ultimately, like you said, not comparing yourself and holding yourself to those standards is probably a good thing and being okay with, um, less than perfect at this time because it's it's a it's a major transition.
1: Yes, I think we're all in survival mode. I know I'm much more drawn to the social media where the parents are talking about their struggles um, because I think that's so much more real and definitely what I think most of us can relate to is struggling through this as opposed to completely totally at this hmm
0: Well, like I said, I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to chat with me today. I think that... you know these tips and, and recommendations that you that you've brought up, I think, are really helpful, and I'm excited to be able to share this conversation with our listeners and with parents out there. Because, like you said, I think that the the truth is whether social media is communicating it or not, is that m- most, if not all, of us are sort of struggling to try and figure this out. And the more the more tips, the more recommendations, the more advice that that we can be providing to people, um, the better and the better chance we have of everybody coming out of this with, you know, strong mental health practices and, and doing the right tech check-ins with themselves and with their families to make sure that they come out happy and healthy. Yes,
1: I'm hoping that too.
0: Thank you. Great. Well, thank you so much again. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Dr. Barnett from Johns Hopkins and found there to be some useful tips for you and your family to consider while managing everyone's mental health during this time. If you'd like to learn more about any of our other episodes around parenting during the COVID-19 crisis, please check out rediscoveringplay.fm or listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcast content. Thank you so much for listening to Biba's Rediscovering Play podcast, and thank you for Rediscovering Play with us.